You're now tuning into the Top Rank Podcast, a research platform of conversations with people driving and shaping the world around them. This is Marcel. And I'm Isabel. And today we are excited to have a dynamic duo in our midst, Mia and Danielle, co-hosts of the new podcast, New York's Loudest. And and they are here to talk about their passion and expertise in the cannabis industry. So to start us out, Mia and Danielle, would you guys both mind introducing yourselves? Okay, thank you, Mia. I'm Danielle Garcia. <laughs> I am co-host of New York's Loudest and editor at large of Emerald Magazine. What it do, baby? Hey, <laughs> I say that all week. By the way, I try to keep uh, it professional. <laughs> uh, I'm Mia. Uh, I am a creative person. Uh, yeah, uh, I do photography and I do graphic design. And I've been working with Danielle for damn like. Eight years, nine years. Yeah, a long time. We've been collaborating. Yeah. And so now we've just uh, moved to the next level of doing podcasts. So how did you guys meet each other? Um, So I went on Craigslist and I was looking for an internship and (laughs) I found Danielle. And then when we met, we realized that we knew a lot of people, like a a lot of of, of mutual friends. So then it kind of crossed over into like being her intern to just like being her friend. And ever since then, we've been working. Yeah, basically I was doing some fashion stuff and I needed somebody that was like willing to learn how to sew, but could maybe help me with photography and stuff. And, you know, Marie and I have just ended up collaborating professionally ever since then. And she does a lot of the photography for most of the stories that I've written as a journalist over the past five years. So everything from recipes to shooting Tommy Chong, like Maria has really killed it. Yeah, I forgot. I literally forgot. I went to LA for 24 hours, shot him and... (laughs) came back home it was fucking awesome you guys are a power team love it (laughs) yeah i feel like you know it's the the cannabis media industry in particular like the cannabis industry is growing so much but in particular the media sector of it is just you know it's a really fertile ground for creativity right now (laughs) ha 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 pun intended Mm -hmm. but you know to be honest even someone like maria who's not particularly into smoking or consuming cannabis can really you know be so so creative and and provide the visuals and That just comes from being a part of the culture because, as you guys know, there's just a broader culture happening there other than just getting high. Exactly. I mean, I'd love to learn more about your podcast and all the work that you both do collabing, but I'd like to actually take a step back and hear from you both. Like, what was your first cannabis experience? Um, Because for me, there's certainly... Definitely very memorable, and in some patches, not memorable. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I remember, I guess I was a senior in high school, and I guess I was kind of like cross-faded at the time, but I just remember like a really, someone rolled a really like soggy <laughs> blunt, and I just remember like I was like, dick, right? yeah, I was yeah. just like at that point, I had basically kissed this person because it was like their spit, like just like totally... <laughs> So that's my first, that's, that's my first, and I had, I had a great night, but it was just like, this can't be it. This can't be what it is. Um, but since then, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think I would be, I definitely wouldn't have come up with the topic for my senior thesis in college if it wasn't for weed. Mm. Um, that is a, that is a legit fact. Like that is a fact. Um, and yeah, it's like a, it's like a utility in my life. It's like gas, 
electric. Yes. Rent. That is such a great fucking point. It's like a budget. It's oh like God. in the budget. So I'm curious to hear from you all who are so kind of in the midst of this industry. Like how did this plant come to mean something in both of your lives? Well, uh, the first time I got high, I was 14. And so I went to high school in the Lower East Side. And like during that time, it wasn't as gen- it wasn't gentrified at all. So I had a lot of homies that like live like on uh, Avenue C and Avenue D. So my homegirl, she was like, hey, do you want to get high? I was like, oh, shit, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, of course, like, you know, I go with her to another friend's crib. So I'm literally in someone else's home that I've never met. And of course, the ratio is always right. So there's like three guys and three girls. And I was just like, well, damn, OK. Uh, they rolled up. <laughs> It was really bad, but all I remember was sitting on the couch, and for some reason, Matt, the the movie The Mask was on. Oh, oh my god! And I was just like super fucking high, just laughing, and I'm like, "Is this what it? Am I high? Like, is this it?" <laughs> Cameron Diaz loves weed, so maybe it's full circle. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, but after that, I used to actually smoke really heavy from like from the age of like 14 up to I would say like 20. And then it kind of got to this point where, like, I would smoke and get too paranoid, like, Mm. immediately. And, like, so now I do, like, I could smoke. It's all, for me, it's always been, like, learning about what exactly I'm smoking and how much I'm smoking. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't smoke at all. But it's, like, it's really about finding the right dosage for you. Uh, Because I've seen a lot of people, like, smoke the right amount and and they're fine. Like, I can smoke, like, a specific strand and I'm, like, good for the night. But I smoke like an indica. It's it's over. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go home. Because <laughs> I remember I appreciated that um, what you posted on Instagram a, few, a couple of days ago yeah. about because I do you feel like there's I don't know, like, is there a stigma to like admitting like that you yeah, kind of had enough? Sure. Like, can you talk about like Mia, wait, what, you wait, posted? what did she post? So basically, so because a lot of my friends do smoke and a lot of them do like ciphers and they do blunts and shit like that. And I remember there was a very specific time where like I used to hang out with like a group of guys and they would always do a cipher. And when it would come to me, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. And like if it was new people in the crowd, it'd be like, what do you mean? Like, is there something wrong with my weed? Or like they would think like I'm on huh, or some shit. I'm shaking shit. my head over here. And I'm just like, yo, I'm like me not smoking means you get to smoke more. There's like one less person exactly. for the cipher. So like... It, it shouldn't be a bad thing, but people automatically assume, like, oh, you're soft or, like, you can't handle that shit. It's like, yeah, no, I can't. Well, it's peer pressure. <laughs> and that's I'd rather, I'd rather yeah. not be paranoid in the corner. I'd rather you have a good time than, like, me be paranoid and be like, well, now I got to go because mm-hmm. I can't be around nobody. Exactly. So, uh, but, yeah, like, you know, being able to say no is is kind of hard when, like, everyone's having a good time and you don't want people to look at you like, oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, like what's what's up? With, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So well, it's like they're trying to judge you, and they're maybe feeling judged. But I've learned from somebody that kind of abstains from most substances outside of cannabis and the occasional rosé <laughs> that you know it's it, it's completely fine to also do those things as long as you're being safe. Everybody's being safe and chill. Like that's really it doesn't matter what you do in my world. So being somebody that really loves cannabis, like to the marrow of my bones. Like I would never push it on somebody because I want them to develop their own healthy relationship with it. Even if that Mm -hmm. means not doing it, like for sure, I'm all about everybody's health and happiness. And if weed makes you paranoid, like don't smoke it. Like there's no stress. Yeah. Um, 
I basically have been using cannabis on and off since I was a teenager. Also 14, also a blunt, also with a dude. <laughs> like, Honestly, it would not have been a Dutch What kind of blunt, though? It was a vanilla Dutch. Okay. Like, that was what we did wow. back in Jersey. <laughs> yes. Jersey was trying so hard to, like, fit in with Fail. urban, you know. And so it was a humongous blunt. And every, whoever said you don't get high, I feel like I've said this so many times, but it's not true. You get so high the I've first like not time. been able to hear yeah at <laughs> the first time I got I smoked weed I got higher than ever and I just remember laughing and laughing and being like this is great and you know not to go deep but like I feel like I always have like stuff on my back like stress and issues and whatever and like I loved that freedom of being able to just forget about it for a little while and just laugh my ass off you know like cackle away and not feel like um you know, you don't forget the things in your life and maybe you do think about them deep down in the back of your mind and you almost like work them out a little bit, but you're not like, you don't feel pain from it. You don't feel, you get uplifted. And that's for me, one of the beautiful things about cannabis. Absolutely. Yeah. You also don't get like hung over, over like You can that. though. Oh God. Oh, if you I eat a strong say, edible, oh, hold on, I you will be hung over. What does I, that I feel like? Once, uh, <laughs> you just feel depleted. <laughs> you don't feel like sick, hung over, like alcohol. You just feel like, ugh. An ex of mine yeah. gave me like a THC pill and he was like, oh, take it for like your plane ride home. And I was like, OK, good thing I didn't because I didn't realize like it was 100 percent pure. So like one night I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay in. I'm going to take the shit. I'm going to like start drawing or whatever. I take it. I've never felt so high in my life. <laughs> and it lasted for like maybe three days because it's like really like wow. when you do edibles, it like it really depends on how your body like absorbs it. And like yeah. if you have a slow metabolism, like it's kind of a wrap for you for, mm. for a minute and it's oil. So, yeah, that was a, that was actually really horrible. Yeah. Wow. Well, one of the things I preach is safe cannabis use, not just because it's it's not particularly dangerous in the sense of it's yeah. not going to kill you. You can right. literally eat so much weed and the only thing that's going to happen is psychological issues it's not necessarily mm -hmm. going to physically harm your body like alcohol yeah yeah so exactly. like you can you can straight up die from too much alcohol and that's i think that that is what, what you were saying about the stigma is something that i've made it like part of my mission to break down is like this is something that not only helps people has immense medical potential immense like can't even even if we sat and talked for the next four hours about the medical potential of cannabis I wouldn't be able to describe it all to you. And that's right. something that I've learned in my work as a journalist is like people are out there, they're learning, they're doing the work. And eventually we're going to know this is why you get too high. This is why you don't get high enough. This is why this helps cancer. This is why this, because the body has something called the endocannabinoid system and it has two parts to it that we know of. It might have a lot more, but right now we just know CB1 and CB2. CB1 is the receptor that accepts THC. And these receptors are all throughout your body. CB2 accepts CBD. THC and CBD are just two of hundreds of cannabinoids that are present in the plant. So we, I like to explain that to people because like, look at this puzzle piece. Like Maria loves puzzles. We have two <laughs> pieces <laughs> of this hundred plus piece puzzle. There's over 400 different chemical compounds in the plant. And we don't know why they work the way they work yet. So a lot of the time, people that experience relief or joy or whatever from cannabis, I like to describe it as hitting a pin with a hammer. Like it's it works for people because you're just like Wah! and throwing everything at it. One day, doctors and people will know your body. OK, we're reading your system. This is how much it's going to work because this endocannabinoid system can it doesn't control your body, but it influences the body. So it can influence everything from the temperature of your body to 
you know, your sense of well-being, like that whole fight or flight anxiety thing that, you know, that's something that will eventually know why some people get anxious from various types of cannabis. But that's all the... That's all the boring shit about no, me. No, I'm sitting here like, <laughs> no, this is and so by boring. And by boring, I mean, like, that's the work that scientists, journalists, researchers are doing right now. And in the meantime, we're trying to also just break through the social stigma. Like, like I said, immense medical potential, but also as a recreational substance, this is way less harm than a lot of other things. And so for me, I just want people to have access to it for whatever ails them, even if it's boredom. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And it's well, interesting how, like... Or I guess weird, as I've observed, just like the medical discourse used kind of legitimize cannabis use. Like everything has to be like in a doctor's office and you get a prescription and sort of the joy and the recreational. Exactly. Just like boredom use of it that's like not harmful at all becomes Mm -hmm. totally like insignificant, which is what when it's actually part of the whole story of like Mm -hmm. what makes this something that people have consumed for centuries. I mean, this is a a huge chunk of culture that I think is just going to make up the next decades of content documentaries on everything from prohibition to potential medical potential like people have a thirst for this content and so i'm somebody that shepherds it into the culture as somebody that's a big fan of it medically recreationally and all that but i also think that people have been using cannabis to express themselves forever and so i love that we can involve people at all the various publications i've worked at you know, to, to be creative about it and to actually like Maria likes, I love how she shows how people use it just like it's natural. It's part of their life. It's part of their, like you said, it's your utilities, you know, (laughs) and, and that's so fucking real because we really, really need to express to people that this stigma is something that's been fed to you and it's only 82 years old, but cannabis is millennia old. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the and the racist roots of the stigma is just something a legacy of which we are continuing to experience, at least in this country. Very where, much. So. Yeah. Well, I'm also like really excited for like when New York finally legalizes it. Yeah. What's the situ- what what is happening with? We that? have another year at least. Yeah. Um, what's the back? Do you guys have a sense of like what are the back channel deals? I or think it's. I think. I mean, people always use it for like to kind of get votes. I feel like they're kind of waiting. No one wants to be the guy who did it. And Cuomo does not want to be the guy who did it. He doesn't want that on his record. Him and de Blasio think they're going to be the first Italian president. I say fuck to the no about that. (laughs) Like, okay, maybe like uh, both of them can suck it. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite angry at the both of them because they had a real chance to make a change. And both of them campaigned on actually these types of policies. And de Blasio in particular... We have right now, I think the total is like 675 people so far this year arrested for cannabis. Mind you, it is about 80% less than last year, but it's still 90% people of color, especially black and brown people. So it's just, it's fucked. There's no other way to describe it other than as fucked. And that's a huge part of what we've been trying to do is break down the stigma, not just to normalize it, but to actually make change because... I I like to call it weed privilege and, you know, white people have weed privilege, like just down the street, there's a head shop and it's owned by, you know, a bunch of investment bankers and they're nice guys, but they can literally stand outside Chelsea market and do whatever they want. When I know that's not the case for everybody. Like, I know that like it's got very real quantifiable consequences if you're not a suit guy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we actually have a question that speaks exactly to this. So, yeah, I mean, I was just actually reading a really tr- kind of 
pretty tragic story in the mm-hmm. LA Times yesterday about um, some city council like ordinance that was passed that was is regulating the new um, cannabis business, but I think had like apportioned some like social equity licenses. So I guess like people from like lower income neighborhoods mm-hmm. to if they had a space secured, they would actually get, I think they were giving out like, I mean, don't quote me on this, maybe 30, some like really paltry, like small number. Mm-hmm. And it's been two years and these people still haven't like gotten oh, yeah. their, gotten their licenses and yeah. they have, they're paying rent on spaces. And this is like, all like lower income like black and latino people in like south central la Mm -hmm. that are you know they told a story about um someone who's getting their master's in new york and like left their life came back to la to start like a a dispensary with their mom and they've been paying like thirty thousand dollars in rent something crazy a month to try to keep the space secured so i mean you both are are well versed in you know this rebranding of of cannabis and its legal forms across the United States have still continued to perpetuate unequal access to cannabis entrepreneurship, whether it's in like actually buying and selling the plant itself, or even I'd say like in media, like as you were saying, like just it's become such an expansive um, industry. Um, So I was curious to hear both of your thoughts on what your take is on some of the biggest social justice issues facing the cannabis industry and especially cannabis entrepreneurship right now. And maybe what um, efforts or people, community leaders, perhaps, you know, that are doing work to address this, these problems, in addition to yourselves, of course, with your podcast and all that. Yeah, I mean, we're working on it. I mean, I definitely hold privilege and I try to leverage that shit. Um, And I know I'm not the only one. Um, I'm not the only one. And I do this out of a genuine desire to, like, help the world. But it's not I'm just one, like, puzzle piece, like, back to that analogy of so many people that have been doing the work. And I'm just doing it by sharing stories. So I'm not, you know, what I I would what I would really like to highlight is how you like you said social equity is it's dead in the water in lots of states it's fucked up in la it's fucked up in massachusetts it's fucked up in the bay area las vegas las vegas too yeah and the reason for that is because (laughs) i'm gonna sound like it's the same things that harm and hinder all of us and it's white supremacy capitalist patriarchy bullshit and all of that the the cannabis industry kind of used to be free of it because the stigma led if you were a banker, you weren't going to touch it. If you might mm. smoke weed, but you weren't going to touch it publicly. Now, because there's so much money in it, they want in and they've literally elbowed out. I'm throwing bows as we speak. They've literally <laughs> elbowed out so many people from the industry. And just last year we had, I think it was, the number was in the 30th. It, 30% of cannabis executives were women. And now it's something like 17% in just a year. Wow. And there's so, so many factors to this, but the the root, the core issue is the same root problem in our entire society. And it's the disease of capitalism and, you know, patriarchy and white supremacy. And those three things put together are just death and destruction and misery for everybody. And so in California in particular, in L.A., it's the playground of cannabis. It's the place where cannabis innovation happens. It's the place where everybody It's honestly the most exciting place to witness the build and growth of the cannabis industry. But it's also the place where all the big money comes out. And, you know, you see it like literally cannabis executives are crashing their Lamborghinis in the hills. And literally, you can look this (laughs) shit up. 
they're literally hit and running themselves with these exotic cars because they got nothing else better to do with their money. You know what I mean? And the way that the social equity program is set up, the only concrete critique that I have of it right now is that it's, it hinges on asking these people that already have this money and this power to bestow a bit of it upon somebody else. Uh. And so the, the way that these states have done social equity is essentially tying somebody from a low income to somebody of a higher income and making them kind of work together to create either a secondary business or maybe that person provides a bit of space, physical space to grow. Or, But it's the reason we call it dead in the water is because it's not actually funding these people and their enterprises. And meanwhile, the white people are making money. The white dudes are making money. And that's just a prevalent problem. And, and it's all just the same shit. It's just capitalism and and that's why, like, we really need to band together and resist that because we can. We really can. We can purchase pe- from people that don't practice these things. And it's hard to know. Yeah, I think it only comes down to, like, where you're buying your shit. Exactly. And I feel like over the past, like, year or so, everyone's been a lot more self-conscious of, like, what am I exactly buying? Like, who like who am I buying from and what are their beliefs? Because mm. it, com- it all comes down to that, like— you have to support your community. And the only way to do that is to actually buy from them and not buy from, like, other spaces. I mean, that's that's kind of with everything. And especially with, like, cannabis, you got to support all these up and new coming, like, uh, anything from, like, brands to, mm-hmm. you know, any media. Like, it's all about that. It's supporting them from the get and not asking for discounts. <laughs> right. Because I feel like that's also a yeah. big issue where like, you're like, oh, it's my homie. He's starting this new thing. Mm-hmm. You're like, can I get a discount? It's like, no, pay Beyonce for Beyonce doesn't give you a discount. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's true. I, I mean, mean I that's think. just the celebrity culture that we live in too, where people are so attracted to fame and like, they feel like it's contagious. Like if I buy Britney Spears' perfume, maybe a little bit of Britney Spears <laughs> will rub off on me. And you know, that's because we're, we're kind of like cornered into this lane and it's like, Make money, 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 live, live, live. And of course, everyone wants to be happy, healthy, and secure. Um, but when it comes to cannabis, especially the the old models of commerce did not apply for the longest time. And now all of a sudden they do. And you saw how easy it was for everyone to snatch up power in like two years. Why yeah. is that? Because who's going to give you a loan if you're just this chick from wherever? But if you're this banker dude and you're like, well, I left banking to start a cannabis business and... Will you give me three million? They will. They will give you three million dollars. And actually, um, my boss at the magazine, you know, she she the reason I want to bring up her story real quick is because she's been trying to like uh, in, get more investment for our media organization. And it's been so hard for her because it's so hard for her to seal the deal with these old white dudes, basically. And that's the truth. Like, that's really old white dudes just like. More they really just have all dudes. the purse yeah. strings, yeah. you know, they have all yeah. the purse strings. And there are organizations like I wanted to loop back to your point. Two that I love in the East Coast are Canaclusive yes. and Humble Bloom. And they're basically just doing everything they can to raise awareness of these issues, whether it's having events to drive community, linking investors and businesses, writing articles, creating content like these are two organizations I would definitely follow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember Mary, once I saw she said something like, you know, co-creator of Canaclusive. Yeah, <laughs> she said something along the line like New York, anything like relating to like New York cannabis media has to look like New York. So it shouldn't look like white old men and white old ladies. No. It should look like as urban as it really is, you know, because New York, like all the all its culture comes back to people of color. Mm-hmm. 
That's very true. And it has for, mm. it's in, almost its entire existence. Literally, it's entire existence, since the 1600s. So I think that history is people's biggest, um, history is people's biggest friend right now. Read up on the history of cannabis, even if you don't smoke. Hint, hint. <laughs> hint taken. Um, <laughs> no, that's my biggest thing. Like, if you're not even into weed, like, just get into it to the point where you have a passing knowledge. Because if you are able to share that knowledge with somebody who doesn't have it, you're helping to break down the stigma. And I know uh, so many people that don't smoke that are just down to kind of I mean, I've definitely been having that conversation with my mom who's like, you know, she's an immigrant. She's from Ecuador. Like, she saw weed as this, like, gateway drug. And I was mm -hmm. like, Ma, this is really not that serious. And, like... You know, especially now, like, I've been shooting with Danielle, like, cannabis content for probably, like, three, four or five years. And so, like, when I share stuff with her like that, she's like, oh, that's really pretty. And it wasn't until, like, maybe a couple months ago, like, I went to L.A. and I came back, you know, kind of with some stuff. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> like, I literally, I literally sat there and, like, opened the jars for her and had her, like, smell it. Because my mom also, like, loves plants in general. So then, like, when I was explaining to her, like, all the, like, components and how, like, it's only a part that actually gets you high and the other can be healing and all this and that, she, like, sat there and, like, really, like, listened to everything. And she was, like, very curious about it. So now, like, when she sees me, like, if I, like, because I like to uh, smoke uh, some CBD, like, flower sometime, um, when she sees me smoke it, she doesn't say anything. She's not, like... Uh, you know, like ten years ago, she would be like, "Listen, you're going down the Get wrong path." The right? <laughs> now she's just like, "Oh, okay, wow." So you really like were an educator to her on like all the facets. Yeah, so I mean, and I think that goes with a lot of like immigrant parents in general. Like they see this thing as like they see how it's portrayed in TV, and like, and there's a real risk that there they is. naturally should be worried right. about. But it's like it's not this horrible thing. It's not like you know, I go and like smoke a joint and then like I go rob people or like you slide off the couch. <laughs> well that's the real risk of cannabis right now. It's it's not gonna hurt your body. It's not gonna hurt your mind for the long term. Anything go get after a couple hours would go away. But what it can do is if you're not white and you have contact with the M NYPD, it could have real life threatening consequences for you. And that's something we've been trying to draw attention to because you know, our streets are not safe in a lot of ways. And weed, weed has yeah. very little to do with, <laughs> very little to do with that. Like they get more worked up about a water bottle or a, a bucket of water being dumped on them than they do about 600 and something people getting arrested. And then guess what happens? They go to court and that shit gets dismissed. So they're yep. wasting the state's resources so to so pester time, people yeah. and basically to be racist. And that's something that I think we need to be very clear about. We can't make excuses, not that anyone here yeah. is, but society and the city cannot make excuses anymore for this waste of our time. Like, people are dying from other things, like cars, alcohol, et cetera, <laughs> alcohol. Yeah. Well, alcohol. The, the other thing, too, like, I know my mom, like, because I've had a conversation with her about, like, her trying it. Just because, you know, she's getting much older now, and so, like, she's extremely tired, and, like, her muscles hurt, but, like, she doesn't want to take, like, medication for that. Um but her her whole issue is like I can't smoke this and then accidentally get like drug tested mm -hmm. at work and then it's a wrap for her. Yeah. So, so that's good. also like a big issue is like you know there's so many people that smoke and it's like it's a risk they take like if they get randomly drug tested. That's at also their, more privilege. Yeah. A lot of a lot of creatives and a lot of like millennials and a lot of hipstery type people they don't get drug tested at work. But Whatsoever. who does? Everyone that works in any type of other job like. So, you know, another thing that we would like to, a point we would like to raise is that people have been going to jail for this for a long time. 
kids with cancer, kids with autism have been praising cannabis as something that has helped them for a long time. And none of that really made a dent in the stigma. But you know what did make a dent in the stigma? Oh, cannabis makes sex better. Cannabis might take away your acne What's or the story wrinkles. Behind that? Yeah. Well, that's just been the past two years of that's why cannabis has made it into Allure and Marie Claire and Cosmo because it, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden it provides vanity and sex and, th- and those Interesting. drive wow. our society. I hadn't even thought about I walked that. by that Nick store and I saw they had like a cannabis infused line of like <laughs> bronzer. I was like, oh, what? Oh, how God. is that? So a well, I mean, I would wear that. Let's be clear. But, but also, is, is that actually a thing? Or, like, what does it mean to have? like makeup beauty products infused with cannabis like what does that mean well it there's a lot of potential there's basically two studies that came out in the past two years two medical research studies that honestly those really broke down the wall of like oh this has real potential for uh you know cuz the beauty industry is is billions upon billions of dollars right and they're always on the lookout for the next hot ingredient like right now it's this thing called uh, Balucuchiol. I can't pronounce it, but it's essentially some type of radish that has a natural, literally, that has a natural acting retinol. And retinol is like a, a very key skincare product. And CBD joined the ranks because it has currently been tooted as having anti-inflammatory infect, effects and antibacterial and what's the other one? Antioxidant. That's like the skincare trifecta right there. If you can prevent inflammation for somebody that has rosacea, eczema, acne, if you can prevent antioxidant, that reduces sun damage, that reduces signs of aging. Like, so this is big money potential mm. and and skincare jump companies jumped right on it. And then regarding sexual wellness, like of course there's a need for that. There's a huge need for products that just help people feel confident and good about themselves and safe and sexy and all those things. But it's just been so remarkable to me as somebody that's been trying to write cannabis articles for those websites and for years, and they never gave a flying fuck hmm. until, oh, Foria makes lube. Oh, uh, Jen Akin makes a scalp scrub. And it's just, it's like, so it, they literally need like a celebrity or a big company to hold their hand and walk them over and say, okay, this is cool now. And that's just to me is like, it displays an intense laziness on behalf of the editors and behalf of the companies themselves, because right now they don't accept cannabis dollars for advertising, but you know, they're going to. Oh yeah. And it's like, so essentially if it's not making money money. for someone, it wasn't valid. And now that it's making money for people, it's valid. And it's not making money for the people that have been a part of its uplifting this whole time. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about this about cannabis becoming sort of absorbed into the apparatus of consumer capitalism and what that means. I mean, even to to Mia's point about being conscious of who you buy from, like it's, it's kind of like this never ending conundrum of how to deal with consumerism is like, does a responsibility fall on the maker or on the consumer? And of course, like it is a shared, it is a shared thing. I think that we all want to be empowered by believing that we can make a difference with our choices of purchase, which I a hundred percent agree with. Mm -hmm. But I think that this, I mean, I've definitely also been noticing, you know, CBD everything, cannabis infused everything, hemp this, fucking Sephora, I don't know what the, <laughs> everything, like what they have now. Everything, literally everything. I mean, yeah. it might help. That's the thing. I'm not going to knock the effectiveness of mm. the products because it might help. I'm I'm out there reading these studies, trying to get people educated on like the potential, not because I'm like, yeah, put it in bronzer, <laughs> but because, <laughs> excuse me, if you have 
like terrible acne or skin issues, it's not just about vanity. Like that causes, it might hurt. It might, you know, make you feel like, oh, I can't wear makeup because it actually hurts my skin. Or, you know, eczema is very itchy, very painful, psoriasis, very painful. And our society looks down on any flaw, anything that they perceive as a flaw, I should clarify. Whatever they perceive as a flaw, they look down upon. So people will do anything to get rid of those things. Yeah, I mean, we actually wanted to ask you guys, like, since I'm sure that you're receiving information and, like, promo and whatnot about, like, a gazillion different products, like, what are, you know, as writers and photographers, what are some of the more bizarre or surprising or, like, amusing products that you've come across? Because you have the, (laughs) I have the perspective of, I'll try anything, but you have the perspective of skepticism, so this is perfect. Uh, Let me think. Damn, I was like thinking about this on the train. I know you loved here. the dosis pen. Oh, oh, the dosis pen. Oh, wait, what's the other one that? Um, so recently, in our last trip, I got this uh, Curvana. Oh yeah, um, Curvana. Yeah. yeah, CBD pen, and it has mint, and I forgot the other eucalyptus. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so and good. And literally, like, I feel so calm afterwards. And I also think because, like, unfortunately, I did used to smoke cigarettes when I was younger. And so I kind of have this, like, I kind of miss just, like, puffing on something. And for me, like, I'd rather, you know, puff on CBD where I know, like, all I'm doing is just kind of, like, calming myself. And it's also just, like, experiencing, like, having that action of actually, like, smoking something. Oral fixation is real. Yeah. Definitely. And so, like, that's that's probably been my, like, favorite thing so far. Um, but, I mean, yeah, in general, I I prefer CBD because I can just I can just feel calm and not feel anxious. Yeah, for those listeners who don't know the difference between like CBD and what its effects are on Which THC. Which low key yeah. includes me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess That's I okay. kind of have like a working okay. knowledge, but maybe we can like talk about that at some point too. Yeah. Before... I can just do the briefest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if THC there's... is tetrahydrocannabinol and CBD is cannabidiol. Like I said, two of 100 cannabinoids. They know of a couple more, CBN, CBG. You'll see more about those later. But to focus on just these two, THC connects with the CB1 receptors in your brain, and that can provide a feeling of intoxication, um, a slight, what's the word, a slight psychedelic effect, especially in higher doses. It can Mm -hmm. be psychedelic. CBD provides a psychoactive response, meaning it does something in your brain, but it does not provide a psychedelic or intoxicating response. So you can have up to a thousand milligrams of CBD and you'll, you might feel calm or you might feel sleepy, but you're not going to feel high. It can never, it doesn't, the only time you're going to feel high is if it's incorrectly labeled, perhaps it maybe does have some THC in it, but, um, so the, 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 they work in tandem together and all of the cannabinoids work in tandem together. We just don't know how. So think of it as a fader. The more THC you have, the more of a psychedelic high you'll have, the more CBD, the more calming, the more uneventful which is a good thing because the whole point of cannabinoids is to help the body achieve homeostasis and that means uh, literally a chill it means you're literally just calm balanced you're not hot you're not cold you're not hungry you're not full nothing hurts nothing bothers you like that's really the key to wellness so that's why people are i think harping on this yeah and i mean the other thing too is that everyone has a different reaction to to both CBD and and THC. Like for me, honestly, sometimes when I have like a slight headache, like it'll work for me. Like mm-hmm. I I think it's also kind of like a placebo effect where I'm just like, I'd rather take this and that. And then like afterwards, I just like feel a lot better. 
But again, it all depends on you and depends on your body. Mm-hmm. And, and what also, about like, oh, sorry, continue. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say like, what about the quality? Because I feel like now mo- bodegas, like there's CBD like everywhere. Like it's, it seems like it's become in New York City, especially a much more like, dare CBD I say, coffee. like democratized. Like I feel like it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. So like how does one like determine quality and like what you're getting? I personally don't trust anything in New York City when it comes <laughs> to that. Like, unless it's actually literally coming from, like, California. Or Colorado or Oregon. I don't trust it because it's just, like, first, it just takes a really long time to get there. And it's also this, I'm skeptical about it. It's just, like, is this actually that product? Ah. Or are you doing something else to it? A lot of things marketed (laughs) as CBD are technically... Yeah, Yeah. I I, I don't don't blame her. I wouldn't trust it. Like, well, the other thing too... It might not hurt you. It might just be inert hemp oil, which is really just the pressing of hemp seeds or the hemp plant. It doesn't actually have those phytochemicals, the, the chemicals that the plant generates. So people are able to call it CBD but it might not actually have any cannabinoids in it. It's just kind That's of something that people have labeled as hemp oil. Huh. Yeah. Noted, yeah. In the, <laughs> wow. in the bodega. So no bodega <laughs> CBD drops for me. Look at the label, <laughs> though. Look, read the label. Google it. You're, you know, you got the yeah. world in your pocket. Well, that's the other Information thing, too, is like, your friend. Like, Daniel likes to say I'm very bougie when it comes to my weed, because, like... Which I'm proud of. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, proud of that. I, smoke, I always smoke a lot more when I go to, like, L.A. or Las Vegas or San Francisco, because, like, I know what I'm getting. I know that it's not going to be, like, 30 days old or two weeks old. And we're getting old. to try some of the, like, newest, finest... It's so, honestly such an honor and a privilege that we yeah. have to try, like, some of the greatest stuff that you've ever seen or heard of. And I love it, because, like, you basically... I'll just give Maria, like, the first hit... So it's not burnt at all. She gets like the <laughs> first, like just the full flavor. And that's all she need, wants yeah. and needs. And I actually I'm like value. Wonder. I'm like, ah, that's but I want to know what that person Same thinks of the strain. <laughs> I want to know what that person thinks of the strain. Because that's how some people consume cannabis. Like not everyone. I mean, I smoke a lot. I put in quotations, but I'm a medical cannabis user. So for me, it's about maintaining the homeostasis, the the even dose of cannabinoids throughout the day. That's how I'm doing it. But that's again, I recognize that if somebody's just taken a puff to be recreational, like I want to know what they think about the effects and how it helps them or doesn't help them. Maybe it sucks. Well, that's the other thing, too. I feel like I think about like over the years and like over like thinking about all the different homies that I know that are like extreme potheads, quote unquote. <laughs> and but now I think about it, I'm like, they're actually smoking for like medical reasons and they a lot don't even of the know time, it. Yeah. They just think it's like, this is just, this is what I do. But it's like, no, you're actually doing it because you're either like, you have really high anxiety and this is actually really helping you, which is why yeah. you have to start off your day with it. For me, it's ADHD, which is <laughs> it's a gift and a curse. And yeah, the cannabinoids. And that's why I'm like, I'm a lot more be balanced. About. Would you rather take literally dextroamphetamine? Amphetamine is what they prescribe to people with ADHD. And I've done that. I've taken it prescribed from my doctor. I can't, it's, some people might find relief in that, but I personally found a much more stable lifestyle using cannabis versus using pharmaceutical Mm, drugs. For sure. You were, you were also just saying, you were, you were commenting too about, you were, you were saying something and I wanted you to finish your thought. Do you remember? Uh, Oh, well, what I wanted to say is just like in general, I'm actually like really excited for like a lot more, I would say like, you know, people of color who like don't really know what they're smoking to like learn exactly what they're smoking. Cause I mean, I always think about how, like when I used to, you know, buy 
nickel bags, which is hilarious. I used to buy nickel bags when I was like 14. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I always remember like, I would never ask like, what am I smoking? I would never be like, what's the strain? It's like, don't be picky. Yeah. It's like this dude, you There's know, a meme like, about this. <laughs> There's a meme about this. It's like some girl being like, is it indica or sativa? And the dude's like, it's loud. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've, had, I've had people make fun of me. Like whenever like I do still, you know, I go out and I like hang out with friends and like they're passing a joint and I'm like, oh, what is that? And they're like, I so don't fucking take it. And I'm wow. like, yo. But I'm again, that's asking. the stigma. That's the stigma. <laughs> the, the stigma and the illegality has driven so much. Like one point I love to share with people is, you know how like the most potent cannabis comes from inside right now, like indoors, meaning yeah. grown under lights and electricity mm-hmm. and fans and heaters and coolers and dehumidifiers. And like, there's so much technology. That technology only came about because the police started raiding farms in Humboldt County. Yeah. If they never did that, the weed would always come from there by the boatload because those plants can grow up to 25 pounds outside. Whereas inside, it's something like seven, eight, but it's much more potent. Oh, geez. Well, hey, how, Mia, how do you, how, how have you educated yourself on strains? Like, what this are your what resources I need to, know, to share? I don't, so, like, this is exactly why for, I don't For smoke. me personally, like, <laughs> indica gives me body highs. And I don't mm-hmm. like that because I like to be control of, like, mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And then sativa gives me head highs. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, I know that I can smoke just, like, one or two pulls of sativa. And I'll be, like, straight because I'll just be like, oh, okay. Now I'm like, I feel a little calm. I feel a little bit more, like... I want to do shit, but I can also control my body. Mm. So for me, it's kind of, that's what I prefer. Uh, but then you also have hybrids. And with hybrids, it's like, it's a whole different ball game. And well, there's also like terpenes, which can you explain yeah, what that terpenes. is? <laughs> well, the, this binary is, is eventually going to be broken down. Like, it, like many things, it's something that kind of came out of the illegal industry before we had all the information at our fingertips. The, the body high effect in indica comes from this terpene, which is terpenes are phytochemicals that um, are present in everything. They're present in rosemary. Yeah, in all plants. All plants. And they are, they're the aroma and taste molecules of a lot of plants. So like I said, rosemary, lemon. Uh, so myrcene is present in lemongrass and mangoes and indica. And so a lot of the time, what they're actually determining as an indica is a strain that just has a very high prevalence of myrcene, which causes a sedation in the body, like the sleepiness, the couch lock. Like, so I think eventually once, once the technology catches up that, that binary really won't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it's our guide. And and one of the things that they notice also in sativas, there's a higher prevalent prevalence of limonene, which is lemon. There's another thing. I, I said that like my aunts and my mom's God damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like a joke we have in our family. Lemon. <laughs> all, we're super Italian, so they just want lemon on everything and anything. <laughs> so lemon in the strain means that you get actually um, a more uplifting effect, a more awakening effect. So yeah. these are things that, that so Maria is not incorrect at all. She's totally on point. It's just that right now that's the information and the level that we're working with. Eventually we'll know why, why indicas do what they do. What makes an indica? What makes a sativa? Because kind of right now everything is really truly a hybrid unless it's a yeah. true meaning post-1980s strain, it's very, very hard to tell the true genetics of it. And people try, but... Well, and that's the one thing, too, that I like when, like, we we go out to, like, the West Coast and we go and we either visit, like, farms or, like, um, 
what should we call it? What's it called? Grow facilities. Uh, no, um, dispensaries. Yeah, dispensaries. <laughs> <laughs> when we go, like, there, there's a couple that are like extremely well educated. Like, the first thing they ask you is like, "Are you here to smoke for like medical reasons or recreational?" Mm-hmm. And then from there, they take it like, "Well, do you actually want to do edibles, or do you want flour, or do you want oils, or do you want tinctures?" And it's a like, good bud tender is really key. And they know their shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and that to me, like, it's fucking awesome. Because I could be like, oh, well, like, I have a really, like, you know, my back has been hurting for a minute. And they, mm-hmm. they'll, they like, tell you, like, okay, well, there's topicals, there's um, edibles, there's, like, bath bombs and now and stuff like that. So, <laughs> and, like, I wish I could take, like, all my homies out there to, like, experience I that. I know. Wow. Because it's that really would be sad. really eye-opening. When you come back, you're, like, and you come back to this shit, you're literally, like, <laughs> what it, yeah like my eyes <laughs> like just texting always... people like they're not responding yeah, <laughs> yeah. no really no really I, I mean, it's fucked up is the is the, did this i'll ask like a, a selfish question like a selfish That's question okay. and then and then i have a follow-up question for you guys but so you know people have different preferences for different types of strains is that due to the like each individual sort of like biochemical makeup definitely it's okay so yes, it's like and also what kind of high they're looking for and what's okay. up with your endocannabinoid system at that moment and that's what i mean about the unknown we don't really have any way to read that system of the body and say you're a little low on this you're a little low on because it actually can influence hormones like i said before body temperature if you're hungry or you're tired like and one of the main reasons because of that is because there isn't that much research yeah. because people yeah. don't want to give grants to people they're starting to, to like, but only but when recently, it makes money. Yeah, that was when it makes question. money. Yeah. It's like, is this universities? Is this a commercial? A little like, bit of R&D both, stuff? but mostly commercial, mostly pharmaceutical. Um, I did just, we did just cover something where the DEA finally, finally said, okay, you can grow a few more types of strains for research because the, uh, the actually the government grows the research cannabis and it was garbage. <laughs> Meaning like as low cannabinoid <laughs> potency as possible, grown probably fiber hemp, so probably very low in phytochemicals and terpenes. And it's it's just kind of crazy. So that it, a lot of research scientists were very upset. They were saying, well, this isn't what's on the street that people are actually using. So <laughs> what is this trash? <laughs> exactly. And um, there it's is a the federal there is a federal cool. medical cannabis program. Um, and, and they do, they do give literally like a coffee can of cannabis to like certain people who are in this program, but it's, it's very selective and it's very like, you know, I think it's only like a thousand people or something silly like that, but research is catching up. But right now, like much like the investment and the development and the innovation, it's all based on money, not so much based on the public health and well-being. Right. That is the root of the problem. It's like, what is this plan? Yeah, right. What is it going to serve and like whose ends? I'm actually curious to learn about like what kind of stories you both collaborate on as a journalist photographer duo. Can you can you speak to like, yeah, the type of stories you collaborate on and for what publications? I'd rather hear Maria's favorites because we've literally (laughs) shot hundreds of stories together. It kind of started with like uh, actual recipes. Yes. And so uh, Daniel used to write for a publication called Fresh Toast. And they were uh, published also by Seattle Times. Yeah, that was really cool. That was exciting for us. So basically, like, Daniel would come up with these recipes and, like, we've done everything from, like, infusing um soups to like desserts uh 
We've done... We've uh, probably done every kind of food you can yeah. literally imagine. Cheese. Uh, <laughs> vegan cheese. Vegan soda cheese. Bread. Not even just like cheese. Vegan cheese. Fruit um, salads and frosé. Oh, frosé yes, was good. Was oh, that was really good. Uh, a whole bunch of different drinks. So Because well, CBD can actually like kind of tamper a hangover a little bit. Ooh. I mean, that's just personal anecdote. That's not necessarily proven, quote unquote. But yeah. I don't drink too, too much because I'm 32 and hangovers. Are <laughs> uh, so, but really CBD has been really helpful to me in like when I push it a little bit, have some CBD that night, next morning internally. I don't know what it is. I think maybe it goes into your livers. This is all speculation, but there are CBD two receptors in your stomach and your liver and your intestines. So I just kind of say, Hey, maybe that's tampering some of those horrible side effects of poisonous alcohol right? that I love. Poison. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, we started shooting that. So basically what I would do is like a breakdown of like what exactly is being used. And then um, in the very beginning, we would show exactly how you would turn your weed either to like oil or butter and then how you would use that into like into your actual um, meal. So we started doing that, and then uh, we actually started going out to L.A. to go to farms and go to um, different dispensaries. I think my favorite one is when we went to Las Vegas. I know. And uh, <laughs> that was so, I was so happy for you that day. Oh, it was because I met Cameron. Because he just rolled <laughs> up to wow. the farm. He literally rolled up. We did up. not know. <laughs> They're like, oh, Cameron's coming. We were like, what? That's he, he, crazy. he was coming by to check on his strain. Which is oh, still not so out yet. Yeah. What oh is the strain? Yeah, exactly. So, like, literally, and well, the best part too is so this guy, um, what was the name of the place again? No, G5. G5. So, um, their weed was great. It, was it really amazing. was great. So, it's, it's black owned uh, and it was in Las Vegas. So, he was telling us about like everything that he's been going through, how like he's had different businesses and how like they have no banking, side note. So, yeah. they deal in cash. Imagine exactly. how dangerous that is. Oh, so, shit. he literally had like a huge fucking vault. vault. Yeah. And we can only imagine which how much he has. Is there. You have to have. <laughs> yeah. So there's so much also investment in these businesses. People don't always realize. Like nobody's gonna. You don't have a bank. You don't have a credit card processor. So mm-hmm. there's so many things that you have to work around just to be doing basic business operations. Sure, but so continue. And so when we got there, the other thing too is like uh, he was telling us how there's a lot more like laws and restrictions and everything. So when we got him, when we got there, we had to actually like suit up. Which mm-hmm. was awesome. <laughs> like, what is it like a white, like, it, scrubs, was, it was literally like suit? a white scrub. Oh and, like, we had to like sanitize our hands. Mm-hmm. They sanitized my like camera and everything. And then we got to have, uh, he took us around the whole facility. So we got to see like the actual like baby plants and then like the mommy plants. Exactly. And so like he explained They're everything. They're so pretty in person. They really are. It's like, and it was indoor too. So yeah. then, like, I, I'll just never forget. Like, he opened one door and the Whoa. smell that just like came in. <laughs> and the fans, like, they make this humming noise. So it's like, wow. Yeah. And it just opens to a golden <laughs> paradise because the lights have like a yellow hue to them. And well, that's the other thing too. Like, I feel like all the different farms that we have gone to, all the owners are extremely passionate about it. Yeah. So they talk about how, like, these are their babies. Like, they were telling us how, like, you know, they play music for them. Like, Mm -hmm. they really, like, care about their plants. So it's like, for me, I'm like, well, I want to support you Mm because you really care about this Mm -hmm. and you're also a person And a lot of them are family. (laughs) Family. Like, G5 has their whole family working there. And that's, like, a beautiful thing because the stigma, like, they were explaining to us, like, the, the stigma used to affect their family and not anymore. And, like, I love to see that where it's like, oh, well, my mom loves we- cannabis now. Like she doesn't use it, but she's a part of our business and she enjoys like, you know, being involved. And 
I just love to see it finally getting its time in the sun. Like, actually, just recently, I got to see a farm in New York State. Oh, wow. Uh, it's not a medical a cannabis hemp. farm. It's mm. a, technically a hemp farm, and it's Tonic uh, CBD is the company that grows. And they are uh, growing CBD hemp for vapes, topicals, all those things. But it's it was so fucking cool to see them out in the sun, literally growing down a little slope like the way that they should. Up until the 1950s, we actually had wild cannabis growing everywhere in the whole country. There was a big campaign in the 50s to actually remove it and and like physically remove it from our eyesight and from our purview. And that, I think, really set the stigma into high gear because back then it was kind of like the beat generation. So, you know, just before the hippies, so more white people than ever were being like pro-cannabis and they were like, we have to do something about this. Mm. Well, the other thing, too, is that they can't patent a plant. There are patents and on it, but they're very gray area. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, wow. But you so can't act like, because it's kind of like, you know, if you try to patent like sunflower, like a sunflower or something like that, like you can't get away with that. You can patent genetics, but yeah. only like in different the past strains. Year. Oh. You can. Yeah. But so this means if you invented your strain in the medical days, which like, I don't know if you guys, do you guys are familiar with gelato? The strain gelato, it's like very famous. Yeah. It's it's been wrapped like about in over like two hundred songs. Like a vape <laughs> cartridge. This is this is gelato. Ooh. Ooh, but pretty. the original gelato comes from Mario Guzman, who's uh the master grower of Sherbinsky's. And he was a member of this crew called the Cookie Cookie Fam or Cookie Crew or something. And they they invented Girl Scout cookies as a team. And then he combined Girl Scout cookies with I think OG Kush, but I could be wrong. And either way, they made this strange gelato. He created this strange gelato, and it was strictly medical only back then. And they were growing in the Sunset District of San Francisco. And, you know, San Francisco before L.A. was really the mecca of of cannabis use. Mm -hmm. And uh, this strain, he just was giving it to rappers, especially in the Bay Area. And it just created such a reputation that today he's in Barney's. Today, yeah. it's been wrapped about over 200 mentions on Genius, if you type in gelato. And... It's honestly so good too. Like we it finally got to try it in LA. Fantastic. It was one of the most potent strains. The like I've tried gelato, quote unquote, but Sherbinsky's gelato. When I finally tried it, I was like, I am high as shit. I know. I remember extremely high. <laughs> I left my purse in the airport. No, oh, I left one my of those. Thank one of you, those thank you, Shubinskis. I left my purse in the airport. My on homie literally level. like came to the to the apartment that we were at, and he like opened a door, and he was like, "It's so loud in here, <laughs> like so fucking loud." It was one of the, the one of the most fragrant, po and it was outdoor grown too, sun grown as we call it, yeah. which is that's really remarkable. So that doesn't mean. You have lights that you control every little thing and every little bit of water. This is the sun and the earth, and that's what it makes. You know, it's it's truly remarkable, and I like to compare it a lot to wine. You know, if you if you if you have a favorite wine, you're into wine. You know, and it's it's something that it has a finite amount that's grown. It's directly influenced by the person growing it, the earth it's coming from, and the methods used to grow it. And you know, it's actually got a vintage like. Weed, if no care is taken, it'll be good for about a year. Like the cannabinoids, they'll reduce by a certain percentage, but you could still smoke it for about a year. But if you actually seal this shit up in a humidor, like a, they make them now, like Canador, I think they're called, it can keep for up to five years. And I think that is where we're really going to be looking to in the future. Like, oh, hey, you got that uh, 2018 Aid. reserve Sherbinsky's. <laughs> like, aged. oh, my God, it's so like da-da-da. 
Um, but that, like technology has really come so far in just the four years that Maria and I have been on this beat, as they call it, the beat. Yeah. We've been on the cannabis beat. And ever since we've been on this beat, like the innovation has really just come so far. It's it's every year there's new stuff happening. I heard right now, shout out to Rachel from Smoke Sip Saver, um, that somebody made, because there's social clubs coming. There's there's two in LA, or I'm sorry, two in San Francisco and eight coming to West Hollywood this year, very soon. Somebody made this device that's essentially a vape device that looks like a cup and you either put your joint or your vape into it and it sucks the smoke or the vapor into the cup so that you can sip it like a drink, which sounds so corny at first. But when you think about these social environments, like you don't want to be chiefing the entire time you're sitting there. Like you'll be burnt beyond recognition. So, you know, having this like, it's not just about the the class and the ritual of, of consuming. It's also about really tasting, like Marie said, the flavors, the nuances yeah. between these reserves. That's all going to be the future. All that farm to table stuff. I think that's where my bouginess comes in because, like, I love, like, citrus-based, like, strands. Oh, so you have even, orange like, a cookie. very specific yeah. flavor profile. <laughs> like, like uh, yeah. uh, orange not... sunrise from Paradiso, Paradiso. Was, has definitely been, like, the f- my favorite that Is I've ever Is that, like, a farm? Smoked. Like, a specific It's a no, brand. It's a specific, like, like, love. Yeah. They have, cu- not only do they have the cutest branding, like, it's very just, it's so California. I had posted, I had posted those. When you look at it, you just think L.A. Yeah. I think I have like their papers in my wallet. Like they're they're just smart branding because it's beautiful branding, but it doesn't take away from like, like when you look at their branding, you're not like, oh, and then that's the flower. Like it almost draws you in to look at the flower. But the strains that Maria is referring to, to go back to terpenes, there's a very special terpene that I think Maria's body loves. And that's called Valencine. Yep. And it's present in (laughs) Mandarin oranges and Valencia oranges, which are all hybrids. Like originally citrus was just like the sour, inedible fruit. So over thousands of years in Arabic countries and in Southern Europe, citrus was developed into what we know today, which has an edible fruit inside that you can actually eat without being like sour. So <laughs> valencine is a terpene that is similar to orange terpenes, similar to lemon terpenes. It's actually kind of in between lemon and orange. And researchers researchers are loving this because it has a simultaneous calming and uplifting effect. And that's very rare. And that's really great for that anyone yeah. that has any type of just nervousness or stress. Like it's it's great for stress. So Why, orange hello. cookies. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Marcella, I like taking notes. Orange sunset. <laughs> what was the other one we liked? Versace cookies, which I bought oh, for the name shit, full yeah. on. Oh, I'm admitting okay. I bought that for the name, but it was a really great strain. Um, shout out to Alejandra. Oh, because she loves she loves the orange ones, too. Like she's always got them waiting for us. It just it just tastes really great. It does. It kind of <laughs> tastes like you're smelling an orange and a pencil eraser at the same time. I don't know why that smells good, but it does. One of those like orange like markers, the scent smell markers. Yeah, yes. yes. that's, that's how I feel. Yes. That's how I feel. Gel when I pens, smell it. all that stuff. Um, you know, we're sensory creatures. We crave these experiences when we eat, drink, smoke, do whatever. So, you know, I think that uh, our our divorce from cannabis has really like kind of hindered us as a society. Uh, I I totally well, agree with that. Well, I guess that comes to you to what you guys are starting, which we would love to hear about to also kind of wrap this convo, which is your podcast, New York's Loudest. I have to say, it's a really great name. Thank um, you. Well, and that was Daniel. <laughs> we yeah, we would love to hear like what have you guys uh, done so far? What are your intentions for the podcast? What what are your plans? Well, it's, it's cannabis based, obviously. Uh, well, what we're trying what to do culture. 
what we're trying to do, well, because me and Danielle are kind of opposites when it comes to smoking. So you have somebody who is like, you know, I'll smoke here and there, but Danielle smokes every day, mm-hmm. all the time. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I always get secondhand. And high. I get contact high <laughs> when I hang out with Danielle. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great for me. So we basically have two different point of views when it comes to cannabis, and we both appreciate it. And so what we're trying to do is really talk about how it's affected, uh, you know, culture right now, specifically in New York City. Uh, We also want to talk about like the history on um, cannabis here in New York City and hopefully how it will change with legalization, hopefully in a year. And we will be having like different guests that, you know, either use uh, weed recreationally or medically and, you know, have them talk about how they use it every day and how they use it to be creative as well. Amazing. When can we expect episode week one? Now. Our, our darling audio person is working on it. Um, Beautiful. We had some copyright issues trying to use Sean DePaul as our yeah, intro we, music. Because that's, how, that's how we are. <laughs> well, and then he, we try to get our friend to he sing came it. for you? No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> we we just, try to make sure that he wouldn't come yeah, for us. And yeah. have him on your good graces. <laughs> yeah, we want to stay in Sean DePaul's good graces. Always. <laughs> He's eternal. Right, living legends. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks to both of you for sharing such a wealth of amazing information. You could tell, yeah, I've learned like, so much. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I had taken notes. I'm like, thank God this is recorded. And thank you both also for being so eloquent and vivacious. You. You're amazing. You're. I already know your podcast is going to be incredible. Thank you. I can't it's definitely like, like goofier. We, we like cackle <laughs> and whatever. But if you guys need to read more information about cannabis, don't just look to my stories. Like there's so many amazing websites out there. There's civilized there's leafly there's i mean i'm do i'm trying to do great work at the emerald and so is the team so definitely read what we're working on there uh maria's been like totally upgrading our print so we do have a print magazine and the photography has been so sick since maria's been helping out yes. Good looking. um <laughs> our last issue for july was the poolside issue so it's very like la beautiful and then for august it's the women in weed issue which is very important because we really have been like the final frontier in breaking the stigma. Cause I know as a female cannabis user, I hate the word female as a woman who uses cannabis, there's a huge stigma in that. Like the only people outside trying to chief with me are dudes for the most part. And like, you know, I just want to our podcast and the content we create together is trying to give a perspective like New York and weed and we're not out there doing fucking yoga and drinking smoothies like this is just a part of our Fuck lives yoga, like i just want to say that yeah I agree. <laughs> Yo, I, actually i will agree with that dangerous. Fuck hot yoga that shit, i get the i don't want to get into stories but fuck hot yoga <laughs> Well, thanks again. <laughs> We're like, thanks yeah, for I coming. I, like, I agree. <laughs> that was our can... final point. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, this is the Top Rank Podcast. This is Marcel. This is Isabel. Thank you so much, Danielle and Mia, for being on the show. Check and out their podcast. How can, we, how can we find you? Handles, website? We do have an Instagram that will soon have content on it, at New York's Loudest. I am at Real Dan Hell, and Maria is at Omia Moore. Yes. A- O-H-M-I-A. M O R E, just in case. Follow <laughs> yeah. them, all that so good stuff. So we look forward to t- to tuning into their podcast. Yeah, nice. thanks, thanks y'all. Guys. Until thank next you. Time. Thanks, right. Red Bull. Bye. And thank you, Hassan. Or thanks, Hassan. Good looking. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.